What's up, people? Welcome to another episode of the Chatting in the City podcast, brought to you by the V-Track Lab at the University of Ottawa. Uh, the podcast itself is part of a larger project to investigate and explore mental health of Black youth, and it's funded by the Public Health Agency of Canada. And today I'm here with one of my old friends, a guy who inspires me, uh, one of the most driven and passionate people that I know, Abdullahi. What's happening, bro? How are you? My friend, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Thank you, thank you for having me. No problem, G. All right, so I want to start off just asking you how, um, last time we spoke, I think it was in February, I was, you know, saying mm-hmm. congratulations, you've just been signed by Pacific FC, saying congratulations, man, I'm, proud. I'm so happy for you, I'm so proud of you. And then the virus happened, right? So everything had to close down. So I guess my first question is how, how has Pacific adapted to the, the coronavirus and obviously the CPL in general? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been kind of crazy, man, to be honest. When we talked, you know, I just signed. We were starting preseason. Right. Um, you know that exciting feeling in preseason when you're about to get the season to roll playing. Yeah. Um, obviously, my first contract as well. So I was just soaking everything in. And then uh, one day we're just at training and they're telling us uh, we're not training until, you know, a new word is is said. There's this thing called the coronavirus. And everyone's like, what's, what's that? Like, what's that? Um, so everyone's... <laughs> They're home, everyone in quarantine. And so we're just confused. Um, and basically we, we stayed home and at first we thought it was gonna be two weeks, ended up being what, three, four months uh, yeah. of us just being uh, home and uh, in limbo, honestly, because as everyone else in other jobs, uh, we didn't know what, what was happening with this virus. So. We were home, we were giving uh, packages, uh, training packages, we were yeah. having workouts on Zoom, weekly conversations about tactics and stuff like that. Right. But very uncertain times, man. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of confusions, no, no words from, from the CPL at first, and everyone was just wondering what was going to go on, to be honest. What about for you? Like we said, this, this is your first contract, your first season as, as a professional. And then, you know, you're obviously super excited to get started. You can't wait. And then this happens. Yeah. So for me, and, you know, it's, it's crazy how to hear how everyone, uh, everyone's experiences with this is different. For me, I think coming out of college, if I'm really honest with myself, mm-hmm. I was not uh, fully ready for uh, uh, the professional environment and the demands. Um, right. So kind of to get that period of halt, was a was like a, a, a moment for me to see okay what I had just experienced with my first couple of weeks in training with in a professional environment, um, and it gave me actually time to work on on my craft right work on things that I think right. were still lacking in my game. Um, so people have suffered, and I don't want to talk, you know, because uh, as this being like a blessing in disguise because mm-hmm. it has done so much harm. Yeah. But for me, it gave me like a little room at least to, you know, be more still and uh, focus on, on what it means to be a pro, my habits uh, and so, so on and so forth. Yeah, like oddly enough, it's obviously like you just said, it's, it's a virus and people are dying, people are losing their jobs, but like it kind of like weirdly enough, it felt like for everybody, there was like a moment to just breathe, right? Everything Absolutely. just paused, it was like, okay, what's going on? Where are we going? What are we doing? You know, people started figuring out what maybe some of the things you weren't doing aren't right. So maybe you should try to switch things. So, yes, it was a blessing. Well, it was a curse and obviously somewhat a blessing. Um, but I'm just, I was just trying to think of, because I was thinking about you and like, it's your first season. You're about to get started. You're ready to go. And then 
nothing. Absolutely no mm-hmm. games are happening, no training, nothing, nothing. So then what did you guys do? Because I know some of the leagues, obviously the Bundesliga came back, EPL came back as well, stuff like that. What did you? What have you guys been doing? Yeah, so right now actually I'm in Prince Edward's Island and the league has started back um, NBA style, MLS style in a bubble. <laughs> so all the teams are here, you know. Uh, <laughs> and we're just competing in a virtual stadium. So wow. it's been... It's been all the rage, man. It's been from doing nothing, absolutely nothing, um, being in self-isolation to starting mm-hmm. training in small groups and mm-hmm. now being in, a, in an environment where you're playing all the teams like at a fast rate, you know, it's like, it's, it's crazy, man. So that's kind of my situation right now uh, when Prince Edward's Island for this tournament, 45 days or whatnot. Have you noticed the difference and like playing obviously you played at michigan it's a big college you had a lot of fans there when you were playing and now you're playing in a stadium where there's no one right you, you know you guys are having the island games you know it's what they're calling it there's no mm-hmm. there are no fans it's just the players obviously the staff and that's it have you noticed the difference in terms of and how how has that affected you playing it's just it's kind of like when we were kids there's nobody there essentially we're just it's just you against the other team that's it yeah so i would say well first you know, uh, as a new pro and stuff, I'm I'm fighting to get minutes. Obviously, in my mm. position, especially, it's difficult to break through, and so fighting to get minutes. I actually got my my first, you know, few minutes uh, two games ago, whatnot. I came on for like nice. thirty seconds at the end. <laughs> hey, you gotta start Congrats, bro! You know? Congrats. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, the difference, I would say. Um, Maybe some people would expect the desire and the motivation to be less because mm-hmm. uh, there are no fans there. I think perhaps for people or leagues that are more established and where players, you know, are making, uh, uh, have bigger contracts and stuff, that might be a factor. But for us, okay. you know, I think in a smaller league like this, every game matters not only for the clubs, um, but for the individuals. You're fighting for your contracts. You're fighting for... Um, you know, for a lot of people, it's a lot of options, short-term contracts, and you know, I'm. Right. You already know, bro. I'll tell you, I'm. I'm not sugarcoating anything to you. I'm telling you, the real. Like people are gonna say yes. I'm giving you the straight answers. Mm. Uh, I think people always feel that pressure um, because you you want to play this game, and and getting paid to play this game is tough. So uh, whether there's fans or not, you still have that huge pressure of performance and. Of winning games some guys have like just also bonuses for you know wins clean yeah. sheets so i think maybe the 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 fans are add that uh maybe added some elements of like just being more dynamic and lively but in terms of the pressure to perform and to win uh it's always there from what i've seen so far yeah i'm, I'm only asking because uh when the Bundesliga came back stadiums were empty and I actually, mm-hmm. I, I feel like, I think I like that more because I could hear what the players were saying, right? Mm. I could hear what they were saying. It, it felt like the players were playing, just like you said, purely to win, purely for their contracts, purely. It, 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 it was almost like everything was stripped away. All this, you know, the fans, all the fun stuff yes. was stripped away. It's like, we're back to the game now. This is what we do. Uh, this is why we do. We're here to play. That's it. I absolutely. No, you're, you're spot on with that, man. You're spot on. And even I'm sure you saw with, the Champions League and the different competitions. Yeah, it's not like players score and they're you know you see the passion, you see how much it means to them. Like if you love this game and 
you're pushing to play at this level, like winning and, and, and performing still has that same effect on you, regardless of if uh, everyone is watching or, or if you're playing in the backyard with your friends, you still have that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. All right. Um, I want to take us back a little bit because I've always, I guess, I wanted to ask you this question, but I guess I never got the chance. Now was the perfect chance. When you moved from Ottawa to Montreal to Impact, right? Mm-hmm. What was that like for you? What was the change like for you? Because obviously you moved from home and then you were, you know, basically in a professional environment and you were living there full time. So what was, what was the adjustment period for you like? And how do, how do you feel like that affected you? Mm-hmm. Man, I think that that, that uh, move shaped me like in every way, the person I am, because uh, I moved, I was 16. Mm. And for the first couple months, I went to high school there and I right. was playing. But after that, you know, the systems in Quebec and uh, Ontario are different, the school systems. And I still wanted to stay on track with like the Ontario system because of like maybe I was already thinking maybe college opportunities or stuff like that. So I told my mom, like, okay, and I didn't, to be honest, the place I was at, I didn't like it. I didn't like the atmosphere of the school mm-hmm. I was in uh, too much. So I told my mom, like, yo, I'm doing school online from now on. So between grade 10, 10 to 12 grade, I did online. So mm-hmm. basically, um, I think that shaped me like crazy because, you know, at that point, it was like, I'm living on my own. Uh, every decision that I make. Uh, I have to make uh, no one's gonna you know babysit me or right. tell me to sleep there at one, one time eat eat this eat that uh, I have to be mature I have to do my schoolwork. no one's supervising me for anything mm, yeah. my only responsibility is going to training and even that right you understand the pressure I know bro of performance even then like yeah. if you're not playing well like you're gonna get six months and they're gonna cut you so managing all of these kind of made me I think shaped me into being so independent, really like really not relying on anyone and Mm -hmm. kind of having that attitude. Um, And I love that we're going to tie it into the uh, concept of mental health, especially because growing up, then I realized some of these habits were super unhealthy. Right. Mm. So I'm I'm asking because obviously this is a podcast about mental health and there was, um, there's a researcher, I think it was at Wilfrid Laurier University. Uh, his name was Bruce K. Alexander. I think he's retired now. And he, he, put, he kind of put forward this theory called dislocation theory. And it was based off the fact that when people move away from their home environment, move away from their family, right? Obviously for work or school, whatever it may be, their mental health suffers, right? Mm. Most of the time it tends to suffer. So I was just wondering if that happened to you as well, because the way he figured it out was they were looking at... Um, he was looking at addiction habits, right? Which is sort of like a, something that comes off of mental health. Um, he was looking at rats. So he had rats in two different conditions. So he had uh, some rats that were in, in their home environment. So they had their family with them. They had play structures where they could, you know, have fun, exercise and stuff like that. And they had rats that were, didn't have their families with them, no friends, no family, right? Just nothing. And he wanted to see which ones, which rats would be more likely to obviously suffer and then, which would always be, which would be more likely to be addicted to drugs. And he found that the, dr- the rats that were alone in a very sparse environment without friends, without family, were much more likely to get addicted. And he sort of took that and applied it to, you know, just generally speaking in the world that when people tend to move away from their family and sort of move away from their home base, they tend to, you know, obviously the anxiety, depression tends to increase. And he linked it back to back in the day in uh, the Industrial Revolution. People started moving away from like the small, small towns to big cities being away from their families and, you know, the kind of, they saw a rise in mental health 
problems and all that stuff. So I was just wondering if any of that affected you moving from, obviously you said you're 16, like we were kids, right? You're 16 and you move to impact. You're there, you're alone. You have to do your schoolwork by yourself. Make sure you get to mm-hmm. training on time. Make sure you sleep right, eat right, do everything. Yeah, man, I would definitely say like, I would say the good times and, and, and you know, when I was like around, I had I was privileged to still uh, be living with teammates and guys that I consider like family now, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that kind of supported me throughout the right. way. And the club also was great for that. But I think definitely the tough times were really tough, you know, when you, when things are not going your way in training and stuff and you come home and you're just by yourself, like there's no one, you, maybe you call, you, you have someone to call, but it's just different than being like in your household with your parents. So I would say, um, for sure, like sometimes I think we're really rough, Mm. um, it's, it's tough for me to say like, uh, in hindsight, you know, if that's uh bad or good to go through these things because obviously as i said to you they shaped me and mm. and like since i'm where i am now and i'm pretty happy with where i am right it's tough to say okay well that was detrimental or good but definitely the tough times were really rough and i would say um maybe ottawa to montreal is not that much of a of a crazy transition because like kind of cultures are the same right my mom is still close she could come visit you know and stuff bring me some rice you know <laughs> So that's, <laughs> bro, so you know that's still, that's still good. I, I, two yeah. hours away from a proper African meal. Yes, so, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> but when I went to Michigan, man, uh, like that was like 360 cultural shift. Like I could not really understand how people thought at first. Like it's so different, right? And also there was so little diversity compared mm. to uh the melting pot we have in ottawa and montreal, montreal yeah. that it was like that i would say was really challenging when i yeah. went to that environment i was like yo what's this man? that was that that was my next question because i mean i wanted to get your thoughts on moving from ottawa to montreal and then moving from obviously montreal to michigan for college right mm-hmm. I, was, I just i was wondering like was the adjustment different obviously you said it was a lot rough it was a lot harder because it was just such a different place different climate different culture in Michigan. Yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. I think like going to the States was something like, again, another experience that in hindsight, I'm you know, one of the probably the most amazing experience that four year, three years mm. and a half uh, studying there with the amount of like knowledge I got, the right. people I've met, you know, the things I've seen, the experiences, but it was definitely like a uh, rough uh, it was rough a, a lot of times because like, like you said, the, the community was different, you know, um, I didn't have, I feel like people that I was like so close to except one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like just also the, the classes are different there. Like, um, obviously it's a big school, you know, like socioeconomically, like the people that I was around mostly were from other, you know, paths of life. And a lot of times it made me feel like I didn't have, I couldn't relate to their experiences or, you know, like I was just like very different from them. So I think that was, that was challenging for sure, to be honest. Michigan. Cause I mean, I I had the chance to also go away for college to play footy, but Mm -hmm. at the end I decided not to go, but I guess like looking back, looking back for me. So 
I had a chance to go to Cape Breton to play for Cape uh, Breton mm-hmm. University. And obviously they were, you know, youth sports finalists like last year or year before. They did, they're, yeah. they're a really good team. But I had a chance to go and obviously for several reasons I decided not to go. But I've always felt like moving away for something like undergrad is just not the best idea because you're still trying to get your footing in university at least. Mm-hmm. Trying to get your footing, figure out, you know, what, you, what your schedule is going to be like for classes, for classes, sports, making sure you do your homework, all that stuff. So I just felt like moving over would not be the best option. Mm-hmm. So I ended up not doing it. But obviously you did it and you went to a different country. That's that's something, you know, that's just. Yeah, man. Honestly, there's a lot. There's I, I won't lie. Like, again, with how much I love the experience, there's a lot of times I was like, yo, what am I doing here? Like, you know, like this is a this is a different world. I mean, like feel alone and stuff mm-hmm. and and don't really know how to address or or think about it it's amazing now just even in like the, the couple years now that um that i've been through college and stuff the conversations about mental health uh, right. and, and kind of like how awareness is being brought uh to everyone now it's amazing because i don't remember when even when i was like in montreal and stuff ever even thinking about it like that or if i did honestly just being straight on it if i did i would have thought that's soft yeah. I thought that yeah. that's soft, uh, yeah. and that's like a common. I guess I'm sure you 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 hear a lot of this, and and it, with with this kind of um, with this movement, it's like the the preconceived notions we have at first of what it is are so like they're they're so wrong, right? Yeah, yeah. But I was gonna ask you actually. Do you feel like which I think you've kind of answered? Do you feel like there's stigmas regarding mental health in sports? Oh hell yeah, man! Like, <laughs> oh come on now, like. <laughs> I mean, Bro, I know the right? answer, but like, I'm only asking because you know <laughs> this is a part, and we gotta, you know. Yeah, absolutely, like a hundred thousand percent, and that's something you know that I'm thinking a lot about even now. Like, it's so hard to reconcile these two things, right? Like, mm. on one end, being tough, being brave, um, um. Uh, willingness to win and to endure like difficulties and to come out on top yeah um and on the other end like you know like all these emotions that are affecting your life affecting your day-to-day um you know it's so tough to think of these things because even you know i'm 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 curious to get your opinion on this too because we see kind of the the michael jordan documentary and stuff like that yeah yeah and i'm sure you saw it bro and the thing that resonates with everyone is like oh like um he always wants to like he's always pushing his teammates to like the breaking point himself to the breaking point mm-hmm. taking things personally um just to get like that edge that competitive edge right and it's like okay where where do you find that balance yeah michael uh the documentary the last dance i watched it obviously and I, you know i was talking about it with some friends and what I feel about Michael Jordan, obviously he's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. Everybody knows that. I don't think anybody denies it. And I think personally for me, looking at him, he was a very, he made up things in his mind just so he could get the edge, right? Making up, you know, somebody walks in, like, he tells a story about somebody walking into the <laughs> restaurant and not saying hello to him. And that just absolutely was like, all right, you ain't gonna say hello to me? All right, I'm gonna see you on the court. It was like, it's just, he, yeah, he had to make up things to keep going, keep himself going. But I don't feel like that helped him because when he retired, I don't think he was able to turn it off, right? Mm. That's the hard thing. It's like, how do you perform at that high level, stay up there, 
And then when you retire, just bring yourself down. It's mm. very different, especially the way he was doing, I feel like. And so that's why, like, one of the saddest things in documentaries, um, watching him in present time with his, you know, he's, he's got his drink, he's got his cigar, and his eyes are, like, brown. And it's just, it looks like yeah, he's not man. sleeping. It looks like he's not, you know, taking care of himself. It was just... I mean, maybe that's the maybe that's the price of greatness, but I also don't think it has to be that. Mm. Mm, yeah, at what cost? Like greatness at what cost, right? Like that's a obviously that's something I've been asking myself uh, lately. Greatness is at what cost? And sadly, you know, like again with black athletes, black males, like you're only seen as something if you're if you're victorious, like. Yeah. Like if you win and if you're like performing, then it feels like you're getting people are valuing you. But then at the cost of like your your sanity almost at times, man. So ah, you know, it's tough it's tough for me to to figure out kind of even the best way for me to go about this, you know. Like I wanna be great in this thing. I wanna right. push my career to the max. Um you know, how do I balance that with, you know, with being kind of like uh living properly not being uh, obsessive and yeah. things like that bro it's hard it's a hard question because in a way you have to be obsessive to get through you know to get to the professional level right you have to be dedicated and make sure you do everything right right that's the obsession and then to get to that level and then once you get to that level you have to keep it going because just getting there is not enough you have to keep getting better and better and better right and mm -hmm. it's just it's it's really tough because you have to think about even if you're playing the sports for let's say 10 15 20 years it's like you're still gonna have to retire and live a life after that mm -hmm. so then like you said at what cost right it's mm -hmm. just and i, I, I want to ask you something uh, that relates to this what is like what is the price of winning to you like what's the cost of winning like do you are you one of those people who are like i must win at all costs or is it more nuanced for you? I think I definitely used to be. I used to be. Okay. Um, dad kind of mad about it, I guess. Where it was like, it's like, there's no other way for me. Like, not winning necessarily, but achieving, you know, like, pursuing my ambition. And, you know, like, even when I was 12, 13, I remember, like, thinking like this, you know, like, I would pass the ball on the wall and be like, there's no way in like I got to make it there's no yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like I have to and I think growing up like college was a real uh, I was really fortunate uh, to go to college it, it enabled me to explore my other interests mm -hmm. and um, I remember vividly a moment man in in uh, between like my my before my senior year where I was like thinking like I got to make this happen. Like, this is my last year. I got, yeah. you know, I have to, to show everything. This is my last chance. And I was just like psyching myself out over it. And then like, I had moments where I just realized honestly that whether or not like I do this thing, I can, I'll be happy. I'll be mm. happy. Like, um, and I think that's a real privilege uh, that I have uh, having the chance to go through college and, and exploring other interests because, you know, and my team and stuff like, or in other professional teams, like you see guys that have dedicated everything to this. That's the only thing they know. That's the only way they know how to make money. Right. Um, that's their skill, you know, like that's their skill. Yeah. People don't think about that enough. Like when they think all oh, athletes, like, yeah, like they're making money, like, yo, how, uh, what kind of lifestyle they're living. That's their skill. 
that's the one of most of them is the only thing they have as a skill to sell um and to add value so for me to to be able to think now that not like i have other things i can offer and other things that i'm interested in i think that's kind of like um uh, that's i'm a benefit that i have now that's changing the way i play and the way i approach the game honestly yeah that's great to hear because i mean i feel like you and I growing up, I think we're on the same mentality of we're going in, we're all in, we're here for the win. That's yeah. that's kind of what we're yeah. all about. And I feel like over time I've gotten to the point, to the place where I'm more like, okay, if we play a team that's, you know, better than us and we lose or we gave it our all, you know, it is what it is. We lost, I'll be, you know, I'll be, I'll be upset, but it's like, it's not the end of the world. The thing that gets me is playing a team that's at our level or just slightly below and we lose because we didn't, you know, mm. we didn't do our best. Oh, that sends mm. me into a, <laughs> I'm like I'm in a different place for the next hour, but then like after that I just, I'm just like yeah, game's over. All right, it is what it is. Who cares? Yeah. But it's taking time to get there, and uh, I'm happy. I guess I'm here as well. But it's just oh my god. I, yeah, I, just, I, mean, I don't know. The hey, the bro, the competitive mindset never really goes, man. It's, it's just how it's in your in your veins, man. I know how you are. I can never forget. You know these games, man. It just be. <laughs> We just be so angry. We just be so, so angry. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. But, um, I, I want to ask you about uh, getting to Michigan. So when you got to Michigan, mm-hmm. you said it was, you know, culture change, some sort of culture shock. It was so different there. Did you have people that you could talk to in terms of, you know, like somebody with the team or affiliated with the team to talk, talk to them about, you know, your adjustment, how you're doing, you know, how you not necessarily feel like you're fitting in? Was there a person there that you could go to? Yeah, so I found my person, like, um, they were always telling us about these resources and stuff. Um, but again, like, what we talked about earlier, when I heard, like, counseling and support and stuff like that, I was like, yo, no chance, no way in the hell. Like, that's <laughs> soft. Like, what is that? Like, I'm good. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's only later in college when I guess I went through things, I matured and I, I, I got to know like someone who worked, worked with like the, the mental health for athletes kind of committee there. Yeah. Um, uh, I got to know him a little bit and I saw that, yo, like, it doesn't have to be like, like, hey, sir, like uh, sit down in this long chair and you know, like this yeah. kind of. <laughs> yeah, the, the cartoonish I, therapist thing. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and oh, doctor, like I'm suffering. <laughs> Um, <laughs> doesn't have to be like that. Like it can just be like this guy was a cool guy. Still to still now, Mr. Moore. I talked to him like he's just like a mentor even. So right. conversations can be like natural, just like you and I would have now. You know, mm. not not something that's like so rigid and feels like I'm I'm a I'm a victim or I'm you know I'm struggling. Right. Uh, I I think understanding that for me was what made me wanna kind of do these things i guess okay so i guess he was someone who just like made you feel comfortable to talk about whatever so you know that makes sense because like you were just making a joke about the you know the cartoonish therapist lay down in the chair you know <laughs> cry your heart out it's not necessarily it doesn't have to be that you can just have somebody talk to it could be a family member it could be like you said the per, you know a mentor that you found in michigan you know it doesn't have to be the you know the cartoonish thing um yeah i have some questions here for you we're coming up against it uh you know some quick questions uh one of them is 
give me three things that you absolutely cannot live without. Hmm. Like things? Just things. Like whatever it material is. Material? What a material. <laughs> it's whatever, bro. Mm. Uh, that's a tough one. Um, oh, hey. I have one for the A, hey, for the but specific to the time, huh? <laughs> for those who are listening, this guy just put on a mask. That's funny. <laughs> Bro, I can't live without that. Huh? I have to wear a mask. No, you can't. <laughs> All right, um, so one no. mask. Okay, okay. <laughs> now I'm trying to think, look around me, like, see really what I... Uh, I think... It's hard for me to think really that there's things that I can't live without, honestly, okay. you know. I asked, uh, I asked, uh, I had my cousin on, on the first episode of this and I was asking him and he gave, um, uh, I think he said family. He said, no, 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 no. It was, so it was three things you can't, that you can't live without. So essentially three things, that, if you were stuck on an island, three things that you would need. Uh, so his answer okay. was, his answer was, he needs his phone. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted his phone he wanted a boat and then he wanted something else i can't remember because he said he, if he had a boat he'd go sh- he'd go fishing and then he could just leave the island right <laughs> i'm wondering yeah. if you're stuck on an island what do you three things oh um my kindle my kindle all so right i can Respect. read some books and stuff um uh uh a phone with only my i only need my mom's number that's good you know so i can call my mom talk to her be good. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'll never forget. I will never, ever, ever forget this. Never. That's in my head, just playing on a loop. Your mom is the greatest, man. Your mom is the greatest. Just... She's the best. I, I forgot about that. Aleleonet. Oh, my God. Yo, this, nah, that's too funny. <laughs> and then maybe a third thing, like, Maybe, huh. yeah. Maybe I like to make music, like just uh, in my in my downtime, you know. So maybe if I could have okay. a computer with my headphones, obviously that then I need to something somewhere to plug in and shit. So becomes <laughs> complicated. So oh, I know, I know, I know, bro, I know. I'll get a a little banjo or something. So that's perfect. Yeah, to... you can make strings. You can make the thing. Yeah, that's perfect. 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 Wow. I think the last time I said, I said I would need a ball or just something to, you know, keep me, keep me occupied, something to play with, so some sort of mm. soccer ball, basketball, whatever it is. And then I wanted, uh, I wanted a clean source of water and then I wanted mm. something else that I can't remember now, but that's whatever. Um, you mentioned the Kindle, uh, are there's like, what's the, is there a book that you recommend? Something you've read recently? Ooh, let me go on my Kindle and see. I read right. very like, um, uh, sporadically like. I like I don't really read uh, uh, front to back or stuff like that. Just like okay. if I feel like diving into a book or a subject, I read a bit and then. Oh, a book that uh, that's like my my one of my favorites of all time is The Power of Now. I could totally. Um, I don't know if you heard about this. The The Power of Now. It's called. I recognize the name, but I've never heard of the book. I'll look it up. I'll write it down. Yes, man. The this book is just amazing to me. Um, speaks about um, just uh, if I need to kind of boil it down very simply, just being 
the idea of being present and, mm. and kind of like approaching life mindfully moment to moment right right um that's kind of like that's a thing i just i just live by these these principles this philosophy um this is something that's it's sort of it's come back i mean it used to be you know the whole meditation back in the day but it's sort of come back mindfulness being present in the moment mm-hmm. like you're, you know that's what the book is about i assume and yeah like that's come back like the last five years i guess it's really it's really popular now just trying to be present because <clears throat> weirdly enough we live, we live in a time when i think we're all sucked into whatever it may be our different screens your laptop your whatever gets sucked into like a different world and you're not necessarily paying attention to what's going on around you so being yeah, mindful of what's uh, yeah. happening is really important which absolutely man yeah it can be hard because you know meditation in a way is trying to like clear your mind and that's so hard but just try to be just trying to be mindful of what's happening around you is it's a good start yeah man and for me meditation honestly like it's not even clearing my mind but just being aware of what's going on in there you know like right. just seeing the thoughts and kind of like okay seeing my patterns and everything that goes into my head that's kind of like how i see it never to control just to observe to observe internally what's going on what's what's going around and externally as well to to try to like look without judgment at others at, at just everyone so that book really to me um big time and like you say the meditation practice and just yeah. awareness um what else do i have here what i do like Oh, Mastery by Robert Greene. That's just... Uh, I also recognize the name, Robert Greene, but I haven't Robert heard of the Green, book. Robert Greene wrote The 48 Laws of Power. Um, ah, so that's probably why you recognize the name. Yeah, um, the book's right there, yeah. yeah. My, 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 it's my dad's book. It's my dad's book. It's like you're reading about, you know, management, power, mm-hmm. stuff like that, yeah. So. Yeah, so that book, in The 48 Laws of Power, it doesn't really resonate with me, but Mastery really, like, he's he's looking at different mass people that have mastered their crafts mm. across time um great artists great musicians and he tries to find the parallels and mm. kind of like boil down the the things that one needs to to think about if like striving for mastery and stuff so i i try to, to to take these things and see how they apply to me honing my skills and keep growing into my game right, right? um mm. okay yeah, man. So, yeah, these are the two right now, I would say, like... Okay, so Robert right Greene, Mastery, and Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. The Power of Now, yeah, All right. man. All right, I'll look into them. Um, what about you, man? Tell me about some... Bro, the last... I just finished reading this book called The Tenth Man. It's about... um, It's about Nazi-occupied France, World War Two, mm-hmm. um, And... It's about a guy who he's in prison, right? He's been, you know, he's one of the French people. He was a lawyer. He was, he was in prison by the Nazis, but then he, um, for some reason, the, the guards wanted to essentially kill a person like every, every month or something like that. And there were 30, 30 prisoners in the prison. And so they had to decide uh, one person out of 10 people. So that's a total of three people, right? Cause they're 30 people. So then what they did was they, uh, they decided to like draw draw sticks essentially right to see who would you know who would have to you know go who would have to stay and this lawyer picks you know the bad stick that says you know you have to be put to death and he 
he uh, he tells everybody that hey if somebody's willing to take this i will give them my my estate all the money or whatever he was rich mm. somebody ends up taking you know he's like you know what i'll take it right and then the story kind of follows the lawyer after all the all that has happened and the war is over as you know he's trying to get back home find his family stuff like that it's a really interesting book wow um, that sounds incredible yeah it's also it's a really quick read like it's not a long book but it's really 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 good um mm -hmm. and then another book i read which it's a little this one is like 500 pages it's a big one uh the master and the emissary it's basically about um the brain and how, you know the divided brain how the right hemisphere relates to the left hemisphere and it's it's a little it's a little dense, but it's really it's probably the best thing I've ever read. So that's wow, really out there, yeah. Because the wow. guy, the guy who wrote it, essentially relates the development of the brain and the fact that the brain is divided to how the Western world has developed. So he goes back to you know, like ancient Greece and up until the modern age, essentially. So hmm. and like relates how the brain has developed to how different modes of you know being within the hemispheres have affected the world and to the point that mm. we are now which is really 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 interesting but it's obviously like if you don't have the time it's 500 pages long it's not you know still that sounds incredible in terms of yeah. so it just goes through the development of the or just the the structure of the brain so basically it's it, two parts part one structure of the brain right and he explains why the brain is actually you know what the two hemispheres because the brain is you know one mass but it's mm. divided, right? So you have two hemispheres. So he mm -hmm. talks about why the brain, first of all, why would the brain be divided? That doesn't make any sense. Why would you not have just one thing working together, right? Coherent, which it does work together, but it's divided. So he explains why it's divided. And then he goes into how that division happened over time and how it relates to the development of the Western world. It's really, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's the best thing I've read so far. So it's, yeah. Man, I'm not looking to that honestly. That sounds. If that you can, if you crazy. can, just read a page a day. It's you'll get it done. Um, and last question: Is there like some unexpected fact about you that people don't generally know? Because I have one about mm. me, and it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. When I was really, really young, I um, I was playing with friends, and then I think I fell. Uh, I cut myself like my upper thigh, so I couldn't mm -hmm. wear shorts, and so I wore a skirt for like three months as i was, <laughs> as I was healing so it's like nobody really knows that my parents obviously my parents know that because they made me wear the thing but <laughs> it was funny i was okay, getting yeah. roasted <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was getting roasted. Uh, oh man i guess uh what like like fun or whatever funny fact about me maybe is uh my second name is gilbert right like my first name, <laughs> my first name, Abdullahi. That's so in my, in my, like, uh, in Mali, basically the first son of the family gets the son of the grandfather. So, um, uh, my name, Abdullahi, that's my grandfather's name. But then right. my grandfather from Belgium, he was like, yo, it like, was good, you know? I so want to give you a name too. <laughs> yeah. So, my second name is Gilbert. And when I was like in, uh, in like, uh, like, kindergarten and like first grade whatever uh, these when i was young mm -hmm. like you uh i was like people could never pronounce my name so i was so like so embarrassed i was just like before the teacher would ever say my name like even substitute teacher at the beginning i was like oh call me gilbert call me gilbert like because <laughs> i was so embarrassed you know but then, uh, that's then, uh, hilarious that's <laughs> funny oh yeah but i don't share that one often wow. bro, just for you my guy 
just for you that one. I appreciate it, man. Oh my god, that's funny. <laughs> Gilbert, I never would have expected it. Never. No one does. No one does. That's why if I say it, people just laugh. So like, uh, if you told me, like if you told me otherwise, if we were just hanging out, you told me I'd be like, no, you're lying. That's what you're, you're playing me right now. You're you. That's capping. That's just no, 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 no. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, man. People don't never see that one coming, honestly. They never do. Anyway, brother, thank you so much for talking to me. I know, you know, there's a tournament going on. You're busy. You need to get your sleep. Uh, so I'm going to have to let you go. Thank you so much again. I appreciate you. Take care of yourself. Much love, bro. And, hey, um, before we go, before we go, how are you doing, bro? Oh, you know, you asked me all these questions. I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, summer's going well. Obviously, summer's just finished, but... Uh, it was good summer. A lot of work, busy, but it was really good. Yeah. I'm starting school, so uh, that's going to be a lot of fun online. Mm. So, oh. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, huh? It is going to be interesting. But yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking, man. I appreciate it. Oh, man, of course. Get yourself a nice Zoom background for when school starts. So you can come in style. You know, you start, yo, you, you know that feeling, bro. You come the first day, you have your, you have your swag. Now you got to come the first day with the fresh zoom background yeah, yeah i'm not doing that bro i'm not doing that i'm not gonna be one of those people like with all the books you know just <laughs> books everywhere nah bro yo, i have a good uh, get the island at the back bro the <laughs> desert island like this <laughs> i'm not doing any of that bro i'm not doing any of that anyway everybody thank you for listening it's been an episode of the chatting in the city podcast with one of my best friends abdu thank you for listening my guy Boys, bro, hey, let me let me see that zoom background when you got it, bro. I'll find one for you, fam. I'll find one for you. All right, man. All right, bro. <laughs>